Welcome to another edition of the Tayshawn's Muscles Podcast, NBA Draft Edition. It's not going to be an NBA mock draft this time. We're missing out on a couple of key contributors. It's just myself, Dan, coming at you from Salt Lake City, Utah, as usual. And I got Trev on the line with me from Portland. Trev, what's up? Happy to be back, Dan. This is my favorite annual tradition ever. Yeah, do we have... so? T.S., who's normally a part of the Draft Podcast, recently moved to Arizona, is recovering from a torn ACL. Just a lot going on in his life. Has a kid. A little too busy to to uh, do this with us. Actually, did we even ask him to be a part of the podcast? Well, he, he no, but we well, we knew the answer. It would have been no. Yeah, uh, but the more, uh, the more confusing, the more uh, suspicious absence is that of Cole, whose excuse was that he had some business meetings. And yeah, he better become a millionaire off these business meetings to miss the Tayshawn Muscles mock draft. That's all I got to say. Yeah, I know what business meetings means in some inner cities, um, some of those types of locations, but I'm not sure what it means in Utah. I'm assuming it's a real business meeting. Yeah, what does that even mean? So Trevin and I, Trev and I have more than enough thoughts to carry this podcast and the the cool thing is we haven't really hashed them out before, so this is going to be a live first time listen for both us and and the listeners of a lot of these opinions that we're going to share today. I think we're going to hit the Anthony Davis trade first, then we're going to work our work our way to the draft. I have a big board, Trev, for the draft, okay, and let's just work a big board it. that I've kind of hastily put together. Yeah. But you know, even though we might not have researched as much as past years. The Tayshawn's Muscles Draft Podcast had to come together. Um, people would have been clamoring for it otherwise. I mean, Death Taxes, Tayshawn's Muscles NBA Draft Podcast. So, and we, and we might be as exciting as taxes sometimes, so that's why it's a really good analogy. Oh, don't sell us short on that. <laughs> no, we can, we can spice up in different ways. All right, so before the draft, Trev, I haven't had a chance to you. We've been texting a little bit about the Anthony Davis trade, and I've it's settled in for the past couple of days. My main thoughts that I still just don't understand is who exactly were the Lakers trying to outbid. It just, it seemed like, I mean, I'm trying to get some furniture on Facebook Marketplace right now. I reached out to this guy that posted a love seat for 250 bucks. I tried Whoa. to, I tried to throw a hundred, <laughs> well, I tried to throw a hundred dollars out there just to kind of get the negotiations rolling. I, I was hoping that he would counter with like 150, but he hasn't gotten back to me. But turns out I really want this couch, so I'm gonna have to go back. But it seems like the Lakers, like their offer was already accepted. It's it's like somebody on Facebook Marketplace that that throws out an offer of like two hundred for a two hundred fifty dollar couch, and the person says, "Oh yeah, we got we'll we'll accept that." And then they say, "Oh yeah, how about a thousand? Or just they just I I don't understand what the negotiations were like, and I understand David Griffin, the GM of the Pelicans, is. Uh, he's an experienced GM. He probably knows what he's doing in these negotiations, but it just seems like a lot. Yeah, like, I mean, it's an incredible haul. Bill Simmons today said it was the greatest haul for a superstar trade in NBA history. And mm-hmm. I mean, I take everything Bill Simmons says now with a grain of salt. But what what I don't like the the leverage should have been like the Lakers had more leverage than they ever did before because Boston basically gave up their offer because they knew Kyrie was leaving. And Rich mm-hmm. Paul said publicly that Anthony Davis wasn't going to stay if they traded in Boston. And New York Knicks didn't have nearly the number of assets that the Lakers did. 
So, like, what left the Pelicans, even though they waited, probably got a better offer than they would have if they traded for him, traded Davis in February. So, you chalk it up to a couple things. Rob Palenka being an absolute train wreck of a GM, the Lakers front office being totally inexperienced. And then second is that they were probably just super, super nervous because LeBron's prime is now. He's already getting older. They can't wait another year uh, to sign AD in free agency next year. And with Clay, Clay and Katie's injury, they just feel like it's open. So they just said, we'll do whatever it takes to get AD. And maybe David Griffin played on that a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, I can give a little bit of the Lakers side. Like you, you kind of explained their rationale a bit there. I think, well, first of all, it reminded me, the situation reminds me of, I don't know if you remember back when Melo got traded to the Knicks. So there were a couple of differences. I mean, the key thing that it had in common was everyone knew that Melo was going to sign in New York anyway. Kind of like everyone knows that Anthony Davis, 95% would have signed with the Lakers anyway, with the connections that he has. And like no one, no one exactly kept that secret. So in the Melo trade, the Nuggets got, they got like Wilson Chandler, they got Gallinari, who is still a young player. They got a future pickback that... I think, hold on, let me look this. I think it became Moutier a few years down the line. They got Mozgov. They got a few decent young people. They basically gutted all of the Knicks uh, potential players, like all of their young players just all went to the Nuggets. And everyone questioned why, because the Knicks could have just waited. And this was different because that was mid-season too. So they only got half a season of Mello. Whereas the Lakers are at least getting a full season of Anthony yeah. Davis. And but what I when I look at the 2023 to or what is is it 2023 to 2024 no it's 2022 to 2024 draft picks and swaps but they have the right to defer the 2024 pick to 2025 if it's not looking like the 2024 pick is going to fall on the right slot anyway anyway it's just a, it's a ton of future uh, draft assets but I think yeah I'm, I think I, do we agree that it's like way more than we thought oh yeah was going to happen. Yeah, for sure. I couldn't have ever, especially in the wake of the Nets-Celtics trade, I thought that every GM would be just walking on eggshells with their future draft picks, especially unprotected. Like the fact that there's no protections on it. But it's it's insane. And when I first heard it, I thought, the oh, the Lakers are just banking on the fact that they can probably lure any free agents. I mean, the thing about having draft picks, let's say the Lakers are just garbage in the future, and those are like lottery-level picks, like worst-case scenario for the Lakers. Like, those draft picks are going to take up a pretty big chunk of their salary cap. So one thing about teams that don't, um, that aren't picking in the top half of the draft is they're going to have a lot of cap space. And the Lakers, no matter what, well, I said worst case scenario was they get picks in the lottery and probably coupled with that, the the way that that would happen was if Anthony Davis got injured because I am pretty sure that he's going to resign there anyway. So they're going to at least have him going for the next six, seven years. Um, but if, if Anthony Davis is there, they're going to be able to lure free agents. And I think for that reason, they're not going to bottom out completely like the Nets did. Uh, but no, no one could have predicted the Nets' demise when that trade was made either. Um, so yeah. there, there's always going to be risk, but I don't think it's as risky as it was for the Nets. No, because Paul Pierce and KG were what 36. Yeah, yeah, they're like 35 and, and 36. And Anthony Davis is 26. I mean, he's a top maybe three player in the league when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. So it's not as risky, but like 
it's tough. So because you're hearing all the Lakers fans cheering and they're like, who cares about those draft picks? We know we're going to have AD, so it's going to be draft picks. And, you know, number 25 or number 28 in the first round, right? Because they're going to be consistently going to finals and winning championships. Yeah. So draft picks don't matter. So there's two fallacies in that argument. Number one, there is no guarantee that in 2023, when you're giving up an unprotected first round draft pick, the New Orleans Pelicans, that you're going to be playing in the playoffs that year. Because LeBron will be, what, 38? In 2023? No, he'll he'll be 39, yeah. Yeah, he'll be 39. And he like this this year he showed us that he's not invincible anymore because he's like the third he's like the third third most minutes in like league history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like in twenty twenty three, LeBron could literally be retired or be like just a shell of the player that he is, and you're gonna be stuck with Anthony Davis and so those draft picks literally could be a top ten draft pick that you might need. Second off, even if they are in the, they stay in the twenty five to thirty range because they're so good for five or six years. For a team that is maxed out on free agents, like um, they have three max players, right? Everyone's saying, oh, they're going to try to swing away to get Kawhi or sign Jimmy Butler. Oh yeah, when we could talk to... about who the third star fit would, would be. Are you going to talk yeah. about the date when the trade goes into effect and how that affects their cap? Yeah, yeah, or is yeah. That... I will. After, after this thought. Okay. So even if they like, say they have three max stars, th- that means you have very, very little cap capital, like cap space to like sign role players to fill in. Right. Cause three people don't win you a championship in the playoffs. You really need a rotation of like seven to eight players. Well, especially okay? if, if, uh, if one of them gets injured as we learned this year, but it, yeah, keep going. Ex- exactly. And the, the 25 picks in the, in the first round, those are how championship contenders build out their build out their roster mm-hmm. and get cheap young talented players that they can control for a long time. Yeah. So like the even if the Lakers are going to the like still going to championship games in 2023 with AD and LeBron at age 39, the fact that they won't have the number 25 pick makes it that much harder for them to actually build out a roster. Because like the Warriors, the Warriors like Jordan Bell, Damian Jones, like Patrick McCaw, um, Kev, uh, Looney, Kevon Looney, these were all guys that they picked up in late first round or second round. Yeah, but the only good player that you mentioned is Looney. Yeah, but this proves my point, is that the Warriors, just because the Warriors didn't draft right, doesn't mean that they didn't rely on those players to actually fill out the roster. Mm, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you. I, th- I think it's a huge win for the Lakers if the picks all end up being 25 to, th- to 30. My issue is that I don't think they will. I well, I don't think they will either. But what I'm saying, even if it is 25, it's still a big deal because then they don't have these draft picks to fill out the roster as, as like an asset and tool to do that. Yeah, you don't have that added flexibility for yes, sure. Yes, but, but I agree with you. I don't even think it's going to be. Like, I think I, I, in, in, in 2023, I think LeBron's gone, and I think this, this draft really starts, uh, sorry, this trade really starts to look differently in terms of for Lakers fans. So yeah, a couple of things. I'm I'm sad that we're not focusing on the Pelicans as much, and it's probably not as important. But I really love the Pelicans roster now going forward for the next few seasons. Oh, yeah. I I think they're going to be a really popular team. Like I already I already looked up some of their jerseys. I <laughs> I think they got to hop on. Uh, I, I think they got to tweak their jersey a little bit, like really signify the changing of the guard into the Zion era, like shifting away from Anthony Davis into the Zion era. I think. Ooh. I think they should switch up their jersey, but yeah, I, I was. Anyway, b- uh, back to the Lakers. I, I had a couple other Lakers thoughts. How would you fill out the rest of this roster? Because I'm looking at there's the issue of 
the timing of the trade, like I think you're going to talk about, but I'm kind of stealing your thunder right there. Uh, no, go so, for it. Go so, for it. Well, depending on if the if it's June 6th or June 30th, they're either going to have between, help me out with the numbers, but they're either going to have enough for a max slot or not. Yeah, so, and, well, and also depends if AD waives his trade bonus. Yeah, the $4 million trade bonus. But re- regardless of that, I just have a kind of a thought in general. Rather than getting... Um, uh, so unless I'm going to assume that they're not going to lure Kawhi or no, I, I could see them. I, I was going to say Jimmy Butler, but really the big fish are Kawhi. And who am I not thinking of right now? Not Kyrie. Kyrie. No, no, not Kyrie. There was somebody else besides Kawhi that would really make them instant championship contenders. Anyway. Uh, well, it would have it been Clay or KD, but they're both out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But so let, let's just say Kyrie or... Kemba, like especially somebody like Kemba, I think rather than devoting twenty-five to thirty million to him, whether he takes full max or takes a, a discount to join LeBron and AD, I would rather fill out the roster. I think with a bunch of like four to six million dollar type of players, like Trevor Ariza, maybe Jeremy Lamb takes a flyer to be like guys like Wayne Ellington, guys like Darren Collison, just a bunch of of these veteran like fringe starter types do you think that would be enough to contend for a championship alongside lebron and ad or would you go all in on somebody like kemba and then just have to rely on minimum contracts because yeah that it's really tough because you have to have faith in the front office that they could even find the right players so keep in mind that last year when the lakers had about 23 million in cap space rob palinka and magic johnson side i know is caldwell pope michael beasley and lance stevenson i know well I think I think KCP would be all right, but yeah, the other two, I don't know. Like, but so it doesn't just scream confidence that he really knows how to fill out a team on these like on on the fringe roster spots, right? But yeah, but it is one of the most interesting experiments in team roster composition and building that I can remember. Like you have three, well, if you count like Mo Wagner, you have like four rotation players under contract. It's incredible. Yeah, they- yeah, they don't. They they like don't even have a starting lineup right now under contract. No, they don't. Which is just that's why this trade is so crazy to me. Like, I just I get why they did it, but I think they gave it way too much. Anyways, to answer your question, I like I think they're screwed either way because I think Rob Link is going to like. Let, let me answer it this way: If I was the general manager of the team, I would not try to go for a third star, and I would take my cap space and try to sign Seth Curry's and Trevor Reza's. Yeah, that's a good one. And, Danny Green. And, yeah, and Rondé Hollis Jeffersons and those type of people to help fill uh, to fill around LeBron and AD because if they sign the space with they sign Kemba or Jimmy or whatever, even if they get that max spot, because right now they couldn't. Right now they could not offer a max to Jimmy Butler if the trade is executed on July sixth. They have to wait until July thirtieth. Mm-hmm. And so even if they could, then you're talking about three max players, and then all you can do is minimum contracts from there on out. Yeah. To fill like seven well, spots. It's not just one or two. It's to fill like seven roster spots. <laughs> yeah, and it seems like I always feel like there's this surplus of veteran players that can still contribute that are willing to sign at the minimum in places. Like David West comes to mind when he signed with the Warriors. But then I look yeah. at, at what actually happens in free agency, and there's really not a lot of guys like that. And with how wide open the NBA is, well, I, I think if you were – a veteran guy that was able to play. I think the Lakers would be an obvious destination right now, but I don't know what those guys are thinking. There's still the doubts that people like playing with LeBron and such. And 
I mean, looking at the championship odds right now, it's wide open. Like it's there's not a clear, clear or it's never as clear as it seems where those types of veterans are gonna sign. Yeah. Like sometimes they just follow the money and who knows? It's Yeah, like, yeah, like that's a good point, Dan. I mean, I mean, do they even wanna play for LeBron? Like A D and LeBron have the same agent, so there's a connection there, but do they wanna go to this train wreck of a front office and deal with LeBron and take a pay cut? I don't know. It depends on what you value. If you want to be on national TV all the time and if you want to be the talk of the NBA at all times and if you like it's not that hard to nab a starting position on the Lakers right now if you're a competent point guard or something. Yeah. Like I'd be trying I'd probably be trying to sign there. Uh, maybe. I just I I mean the, the, everything the front office has done for the past 2 years has just screamed incompetence, which is just crazy mm-hmm. to me considering they're the Lakers, but I'll be on record saying that I think this trade, like, it'll be good. Like, there's a scenario, Dan, where LeBron gets injured 20 games into the season and AD is playing with KCP, Seth Curry, and, like... And Kuzma. And Kuzma. That's, like, their starting lineup. And they're the eighth seed in the playoffs because LeBron gets seriously injured again and they lose in the first round. And AD says, you know what? After spending a year in Hollywood... This doesn't. This this isn't for me because I don't even know if LeBron's ever going to be LeBron again, and I don't want to be stuck with in a team that has no assets to build to get more people around me. So, like, there's a scenario where they're just totally screwed, and AD leaves. Yeah. In conclusion, I'm really happy that the trade happened because it kind of bridged the gap between the end of the reg. Well, here are my reasons. It bridged the gap between the end of the regular season and the draft. So it gave me something to think about, something to talk about, something for podcasters to talk about. Number two, my Celtics avoided this catastrophe, catastrophic type of trade. And I'm not even sure if the Celtics, even if they threw all of their stuff in, I don't even know. They probably don't. That's what I'm saying. I go back to my point of who are the Lakers outbidding? Because I don't think... Well, Danny Ainge wouldn't have thrown all of his chips at Anthony Davis without some kind of guarantee of him re-signing. But even if they did throw in all their chips, I don't know if it beats what the Lakers' offer was. No, they gave up so much. Yeah. It's crazy. And then the third, uh, I had I had a third reason, but I forget what it was. It's, it's just going to be interesting to see how this all unfolds. And yeah, me too. This it's it's a wide open race. I can't. It's gonna be so intriguing to watch. Yeah. Well, we ended up talking about that trade a lot more than I thought we were going to, Trev. Um, it feels like I kind of need a break. And sometimes when I need a break, I like to play a new game called Pickup. Pickup <laughs> is the classic game to Twenty One, a board game edition. And Trev, you've played uh, Twenty One on on the black blacktops out in Oregon, haven't you? Oh yes, many a days. Like every every man for themselves, no fouls called, rain, sun. Yeah, everybody knows about 21. But what you didn't know is you can play pickup in the comforts of your own home without a hoop, without a real basketball. Pickup has superb artistry, superb rules. It is the most fun board game that is being released in 2019 for basketball enthusiasts and non-basketball fans alike. And that is called Pickup. Trev, did I sell you on Pickup with that? Hey, yeah, man. Where do I order? So it's Wait, not- does, does shipping and handling come free? Uh, yeah, shipping and handling does come free. You just you just look it up. It's kind of through word of mouth right now. So oh, okay. Just, <laughs> we'll let you know on future pods when it does become available online. All right, uh, so let's get to the draft coming up this Thursday. Does it feel like it kind of snuck up on you this year as much as it did for me? 
Yeah, like, it really did. It seems like it's shorter window between the finals and the draft this year, but I'm pumped. Yeah. It's the draft is always my favorite time. I have a big board prepared and we talked a little bit of uh maybe I'll just go through my big board. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I'm not I'm not just going to read through at rapid speed. I'm going to take a little bit of time. So, yep. we'll start off at, at number 1 on my big board. For those that don't know what a draft big board is, it means independent of team needs current roster construction just straight up who are in a vacuum the best players ranked that are eligible for this draft so what do you want to say about zion oh wow you're letting me open up about the the alien that is zion okay what really pushed me over the top on zion i was a zion skeptic probably i started really turning a corner in january like when they got into the thick of the acc conference season and the guy just wasn't slowing down. I just kept thinking he was going to slow down. Then he had the weird injury where his foot popped out of the shoe. And what was that a knee thing? I was trying to remember. Yeah, that, I think that, it was a knee sprain. Yeah, it was just like a knee sprain, right? Yeah. So he came back sooner than anybody expected. There was all the rumblings about he should sit out the rest of the season. And then he came back better than ever in the NCAA tournament. So it's really pushing me over over the fence as if I was ever on the fence, which I, I really wasn't. I'm convinced this guy will be a, a superstar. He'll just find a way to at least be Draymond Green with with like playmaking and elite finishing. But just the way that he came back from that injury, it reminded me of LeBron, how even when LeBron sits out for a little bit, he's never truly injured. He has these bionic, like replenishing joints yeah, and that's true. muscles. Uh, the thing that does concern me about Zion, well, I think what was in the back of my head was like, oh shoot, this guy, he carries such force with him wherever he goes and he makes these vicious jump stops and he contorts his body that no, in ways no one else does. And he's almost 300 pounds. Like this cannot be good. Like he's, he's going to get injured. But when he came back looking so fresh, it just alleviated all of those worries or doubts that I might have had. Because I feel like he has that LeBron-like quality to just shake off not only contact, but like legit injuries and just keep going 100%. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, like, it does. Because, I mean, you get worried at how big of a body he is. You think he can't handle it. Like his ligaments and his tendons can't handle all that weight. But I don't know. Like, like LeBron, he, it seems like he's just... A, a complete outlier in terms of his body and that he'll be able to handle it. Yeah, and I realize I'm not even talking about his skills. I just feel like everyone's already kind of knows about him, but what else do you want to add before we go well, on? Well, I just, yeah, I just, like, I'm a huge, I mean, every everyone agrees on the planet that he's supposed to be the number one pick this draft, right? But not every, there's some varying levels of, like, how they think his ceiling's, how high his ceiling is, and mm-hmm. I'm on board with his ceiling being, like, like like a like a five like a three-time mvp uh, so like top 10 player of MVP all time in the nba like a, a, yeah, one of the greatest of all time and uh, just a couple quick stats um so this the, a lot of this came from um the ringer video about zion but he shot 75 percent from two from the uh yeah. in field goals that were uh, two pointers 75 percent yeah and the second, like the, you know who in third place was in all of college history. In so college, first wait, wait, was at seventy-five percent. Blake Griffin was third at sixty-six percent. Oh no and way! The, the oh gap between gosh. Blake Griffin and Zion between sixty-six and seventy-five percent. That gap is the same gap between Blake Griffin and like number one fifty in history of two-point field goal percentage in college. So yeah, that's a like, sick stat. It's 
never like no one has ever seen his efficiency before it's like unheard of and as much as people just want to attribute it to dunks it's more than that too it's the whole layup package and like touch around the rim yeah it's transition it's offensive rebounds like it's rim running it's it's not just yeah anything like that but even the thing that just screams like even how much better he's going to be is that on duke I think some people realize this, but he was literally the the best three point shooter percentage wise on Duke. Uh huh. Yeah, I was going to talk about that when we talk about R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. Yeah. Yeah, you, you like you don't you don't see like Zion. That's like one of his weak points, right? Is creating his own shot, his own jump shot, and he was still the best three point shooter at Duke in terms of percentage wise. But it's just crazy to me that he did all of this and he was like on the worst setup in terms of like space and teammates possible like duke was like the worst setup for him i don't know about possible it, but it wasn't ideal it, i don't know i'm not a coach <laughs> k fan so i just think yeah, it's we funny know. coach k recruited maybe the best college player of all time and he turned him into like a offensive rebounder but uh anyways that was that was my main stat and then like so zion all of his like he didn't get that many plays ran for him at duke and that's just because like, if you ran plays for him at, at, at Duke, he would just have to pass it to a bad shooter. Mm-hmm. So Coach K just basically ran plays for everyone else and utilized Zion's greatest strength was basically just like a garbage truck. And he would just offensive rebounds and tips and steals, transition, all that type of stuff. And he was this efficient. I just can't imagine how much more efficient he's going to be when he actually, like, plays in the pick and roll and he has players that can space the floor for him. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think you low-key just kind of gave Coach K props for adapting to the situation and putting Zion in a situation where he would thrive. Because I was going to say, if you have 75% two-point field goal shooting, it seems like the coach did a good job. But I think you're you're like criticizing the recruiting and the oh, no, overall... I'm criticizing Coach K for putting like recruiting the best player of all time and putting the worst teammates around it. So, no, no credit to Coach K. <laughs> okay. So, are you ready to go to number two? Yes. All right. I do have Ja at number two. I have Ja Morant. And the more that I watch him, the more that I think I am going to trust his jump shot when he does get his feet set. And the the main thing that was concerning to me were the turnovers. And when I, when I went back and looked at Ja, it was just his turnovers weren't, they weren't careless. Like, it's not like he loses the handle or something or... Yeah. It's just because he tries stuff that other people don't try. Um, it, and not all of it was because like his teammates weren't in the right spot. Like Honestly, a lot of them were just bad passes or way ambitious attempts. But I don't know. I just think that in an NBA system, that can be uh, kept under control mm-hmm. a bit more. And his athleticism... Just, like when I was watching him in the NCAA tournament and I saw probably three regular season games and I saw all of his NCAA tournament games, his athleticism, uh, it didn't, it didn't pop as much for some reason in that. But I think it was because by that point at the end of the season, he had been hyped so much to me that, and you know how I am with this stuff. When people are hyping, I just try to nitpick as much as possible and I try to yeah, be contrarian. And so I think I was subconsciously nitpicking everything that I saw about him and trying not to be impressed. But then when I was doing my end of season review, like, honestly, I was his athleticism popped. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It's I think there's I think there's a big jump from one to two, but that's not a new opinion. But I I still do think that he's the second best player. I mean, everyone agrees the draft really like there's there's no comparison between one and two really in terms of talent between Zion and Jaw, but I like Jaw too, and I think if I was the Grizzlies, he'd be my pick just because of their pick last year of Jaron Jackson Jr. and the idea of 
of pairing him with a really creative passer and someone who can run the pick and roll. Like uh, Jaw is an incredible passer. Watching through some of his highlights, I think that's my favorite part about his game. He averaged ten assists at college, mm-hmm. which is pretty legit uh, for college. And um, I'm with you. Like you, I'm I'm a little hesitant about his jump shot. Um, watching it, I, I know I texted you about this a couple days ago. I was surprised, like watching him through a shooting drill, mm-hmm. how much it looks like he shoots it with two hands sometimes. Uh-huh. Like it still feels like he pushes the ball with two hands, like shooting it below his forehead. So that has to change if he wants to be able to learn how to shoot off the dribble. It's probably okay for like pick and pops, but if he wants to shoot off the dribble and, you know, become like a James Harden, Damian Lillard type score off the dribble, he's got to improve that. But uh, it, like, see, I don't a, know. You know I... There's no perfect player. I guess Zion is close to a perfect player as you can come in the draft. So, um, Th- that that's really nitpicking because his playmaking ability is is really it seems like it's really special. Yeah, I would say even with his shooting form, he seems to shoot it straight. Like his misses, there weren't a ton of really bad like left or right misses. Yeah, and his free throw shooting is good, and he can step back like he can shoot off the dribble, but it has to be. Uh, you know how it's easier for a right hand shooter to step back like rocking back on their left foot. Yeah, he's he can't shoot going right with his current form. But I think he'll surprise a little bit with, especially when guys go under on picks. I think he'll be able to pull up for three. It's yeah, kind I mean, of a he's slow release in terms of like just being able to pull up. And you know, we always compare guys. It's like, oh well, he can't he can't shoot off the dribble that well. And you know what? Maybe he never learns how to be a great off the shoot off the uh, dribble shooter like Damian and, and Steph Curry. That doesn't mean all of his other skill sets doesn't make him a, a high-caliber starting point guard for like the next 10 years in the league. Yeah, yeah. So do you hope the Grizzlies trade Mike Conley? Uh, yeah, I think so. I want a full I do Grizz too. rebuild. I yeah. just think rebuilds are so fun to watch. Yeah. Like it, like many processes, like the Sixers, because it's just it's so fun. So I, I'd be all in if like the Grizz traded Conley before the draft to get another draft pick and like took a swing on like Bull Bull or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like hey, uh, I, I'm going to go back to Zion really quick. Can I get a quick rookie season stats prediction from you? Because we already know what situation he's going to be in, basically. Okay. Yeah, he's going to average. He's going to average a double double for sure. That's okay. not that outrageous, though. I'm going to go uh, 19 points, 12 rebounds, five assists. Five assists. Yeah, do you want me to dive into that a little more? And two steals and two blocks a game. I was okay, so that's like a top two fantasy player you just described right there. I was <laughs> I was gonna go twenty twelve and two. Sorry, say that again. Twenty twelve and two. Okay, so we're the same in terms of points and rebounds, yeah. basically. That my assist thing is I, I just think he's an underrated playmaker too. Like uh, Coach K played him at the power forward, but and this is this is you're gonna laugh at this, but Tajarks in his video he kept talking about a uh, January twenty second game against Pittsburgh, and that is when um, Trey Jones was out injured and RJ. Yeah. So Coach K played Zion at the point. Yeah, and yeah. Zion had seven assists and two turnovers. All right. Five five's probably too high, but I said it, so I'm sticking with it. Wait, say that guy that works at the Ringer. Say his name again. Jonathan Tajarks. Is it Charks? Tajarks? Man, I think you're adding a syllable on, but I don't know what the consonants are supposed to slur together to sound like. I've heard like Sharks, Jarks. Sh- I don't Jarks. know. JT. I, I hadn't heard it, JT. but that, that rendition that you just said, I hadn't heard. I was going to ask you about Jaws stats too, but we got to go quicker. So I'm. is it cool if I go to my third player? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, my third player is Darius Garland. Oh, the- a 
job. On my big board, yeah, I'm pretty high on Darius Garland. I think that his handles are exquisite, and the way that he sets up pick and rolls, like he has he has in and outs with both hands, uh, behind the back crossovers, and I was impressed with his passing in the half court. He reminded me of a less pure point guard version of Trey Young, especially his shooting. Uh, he has that straight up and down motion that Trey Young has, and I honestly couldn't. I don't really care that he only played five games. Like these kids yeah. get to play so much in high school on the biggest stages that I don't even think they necessarily need college to get adjusted to that. Um, my other thought with him, like I kind of want the Celtics to somehow package their picks because I don't think that he's going to go third in the draft. Obviously, I think RJ is going to go here to the Knicks. But uh, I kind of want the Celtics to somehow package some of their assets to, to get Darius Garland with the point guard hole that they have with Kyrie's vacancy. And I hope Terry Rozier goes somewhere far away. So <laughs> That'd be sick. Yeah, that's just kind of that's just my Celts fan dream. But, I, so, I think, uh, um, sorry, are you done? No, I was going to say, so you were surprised by him at third on the big board. Yeah, well, I just, I have, I've looked at a lot of big boards and I haven't ever seen him as number three, but I am in agreement with you that RJ shouldn't be the number three pick. Gotcha. Like, I think we're both lower on RJ. I like I like Darius Garland. Um, I mean, the guy can shoot, right? There's no question that he'll be able to shoot in the NBA. Yeah, and I think he can pass too. I think I he's mean, a pure point guard. He's a little I, soft, I, that, like he's a little physically weak, so he's gonna have to work on some like foul drawing things. But he reminds me a lot of Trey Young in that regard. But like like I said, not as pure of a point guard. Like Trey Young is a next level passer. Yeah, I mean, he only averaged two point six assists, and Ja yeah. averaged ten. Once again, he only played what seven games. Yeah. So, there's some questions still about his playmaking ability. Like, so, I, I mean, it, oh, the third, in the big board, what happens, what's important is just draft, like, sorry, draft fit. Mm-hmm. So, the number three pick is the Knicks. Like, honestly, though, the Knicks don't really have a, a point guard either. So, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't just think it's crazy that they chose Darius Garland. Yeah, but it's I funny like how people are already I giving up on Dennis Smith. Say that again? I said people are already giving up on Dennis Smith. I mean, I kind of did. Because, yeah, you're the you're not the only one that's saying that. I think it's too early to give up on Smith. Oh. So, the the questions about Garland, right, are just, um, like, he's kind of, he has a very thin frame. That, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean he can't build out. Like, Damian Lillard got significantly bigger over the years that he's been in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. But, thin frame, um, and can he be a good, because uh, he's not a great below the rim athlete like he doesn't like just pop on athleticism like John no Ron. no not at all So how how good will he be finishing not at all yeah he's gonna have to rely on floaters and craft and and things like that for sure So in some ways like you could kind of see him as like a slender cj mccollum is that crazy uh cj's just so stocky though it's like a different body yeah, type it's hard for me to envision stockier i meant in terms of like his ability like to to shoot off the dribble and to shoot and have to use floaters because cj is not very good at getting to the rim yeah, okay, and in that way, but also CJ's arms are just seem so much longer. I have to look up. Let me just look up what Garland's Maybe. wingspan is. Garland's wingspan is six five. Yeah, it says six five. He, I'm telling you, he reminds me of Trey Young the most. But I, I mean, frankly, I like him just, but I haven't seen him play that much because I didn't. Yeah, watch nobody much has AAU stuff, and it's only seven games, so nobody has. The more I watch a lot of the guys in this class, the more I just sour on them. So maybe just the unknown is what's so intriguing. Yeah, I get. I we can get into that with like Seku later and stuff like that. Okay, so number four, and I have a feeling we're going to disagree on this. I have Jarrett Culver, and it's a lot of it just has to do with his floor, and also I think his ceiling. I think 
I value his ceiling more. And a lot of people soured on him when he shot like, what did he shoot, like 25% the last three games of the NCAA tournament? And yeah. But I just don't think that he's comfortable in that role and being forced to create offense. But I think he's going to be a plus-plus defensive player and like elite secondary ball handler. I think I think he's going to fit on a number of NBA rosters. And that's something that I just value a ton in this draft. Like I, I think he's a guaranteed starter. I He's a really good kid, and I think he'll figure out the jump shot. I just get feelings on... Like projecting who's going to be able to shoot and who can't. Sometimes it's a crapshoot. I just I just have like this feeling with him that he's going to figure it out. So, okay. yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. I like Culver. I mean, you do? I, th- he, I thought you said you didn't. Well, you don't like I him mean, at four on your I big don't board. Hate him. Okay, so I don't know. See, this is tough for me because I'm not very big on this draft at all. So even though I hate Culver, well, doesn't that, mean like I necessarily hate him. At, okay, first off, I don't hate Culver. Well, no, t- don't talk pick, about him relative to like, the other players. Talk about how you, how just how you feel about him. Okay, so he, I think his shooting, a lot of his shooting was a fluke. So like he really struggled from three point shooting like the last half of the season. It wasn't even the last. Like, yeah, in conference play, yeah. Uh huh. Like in conference play, he couldn't hit a three. And well, that's I mean that's an exaggeration, but he shot very poorly for three. And his free throw percentage is 70%. It's like, okay. Yeah. So, like, there's nothing in his shot profile that screams, like, good shooter. Like, right now, it seems like his best bet is average shooter. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just okay. making that bet that he gets up to 35, 36, maybe 38% from three. And if uh, he does well, that, I think he's an above average starter. And that's something I value in this draft at number four. Well, I don't think he'll ever become that good of a three-point shooter. I mean, people always people improve right i mean Kawhi, no one thought he'd be this good of a three-point shooter so who knows right a lot of it just depends on the good coach he gets and the good draft fit but right now he doesn't scream good shooter and like he's a good athlete but he's not like an amazing elite athlete so in terms of you when you say you think he's just going to be a defensive stalwart i hesitate on that and i'm just not as sold on it okay um because i think he has limited ceiling as a defender um but he like he is a he only has not that good lateral quickness so I mean, I think he'll be good, but I never, I don't think he'll be like this, I don't know, Andre Robertson, like Tony Allen type defender. And maybe that's not what you think he'll be, but um, I, I think he could be a, I think he'll be a solid NBA player. I don't disagree with you there. Um, mm-hmm. It just, it just depends if that's what you want in the number one, four pick in the draft. Yeah. All right. So going on to number five, I have Kobe White here. This, uh, I'm going to be second guessing myself as I go through this because I put this together like really quick. Kobe White, what intrigues me the most about him, besides his fro, the, another quality that he possesses is his frame. I think he's going to be a rock solid point guard. Like he's going to have a strong upper body when he gets done filling out. He's taller too, right? He is taller. He's like 6'4, but his wingspan is short. He's, I think, yeah, he has like a plus one wingspan. So it's not like he's a huge, huge point guard. His like think of think of maybe like a Baron Davis style of body. Yeah. And the more that I watch deep in the NBA playoffs, the more I'm just like not interested in small guards unless they're elite off the dribble scorers. Like I think Darius Garland can be, which is why I put him at three. But yeah. Kobe White, I think, will be able to hold up in different defensive situations. And what also really impresses me is he pushes the ball. That's like in his nature is to push the ball hard whenever he gets it. And I really like that. I think he's a really exciting player. His shot selection needs a lot of work, but he's used to he's the leading scorer in like North Carolina basketball history. I might have the state wrong. 
man, whatever state he comes from, he was just tearing it up. And so you saw that and how he jacked up shots a lot in at North Carolina. And but his shooting off the catch was elite. It was like ninety fifth percentile. Oh wow. So he's a really good shooter that. and he can score at all three levels. I just uh I, I just kind of like this archetype in today's NBA, like combo guards that can score and are strong enough to hold up on defense. I think they'll always have a place. So that's why I have yeah. that fifth. Yeah, like I don't I don't even know if Kobe White is like gonna be a true NBA point guard. Like I wonder if he ends up being more like a like Lou Williams or Katino mm-hmm. Mobley type of combo guard. Okay. Um, yeah, he's not a good half court passer. He did most no, of his passing in he's transition. He's not a half court passer. He's great in transition. He's not like an elite athlete either. He's okay mm-hmm. um, in terms of that. But um, he can shoot, and he and he knows how to like play off the ball. I feel like um, as a shooter. So and he can and in transition, he's a beast. So. Um, I'm not really sold at his defensive potential. I, I think he has shorter wingspan than a lot of people. Uh, than um, yeah, he has. I'm looking at his wingspan right now. It's not like it's it's shorter for his height because he's six five. It's a smaller wingspan than probably he should have at six five. Uh-huh. And um, he still has a thin frame. So I mean, a lot of this depends how he fills out. But um, if you're, I guess this is my this is my synopsis. If you're drafting him to be a point guard. I don't think he'll actually turn into a true NBA point guard. But if you're drafting him to be uh, someone off the bit, uh, dribble as a combo guard, like you said, then I think he has real potential. Yeah, so I like your analysis. Like, I didn't know that he was that elite uh, shooting off the catch. Yeah, he is. Okay, so number six on my big board. And for those listening to the pod at home that heard the beeping, I just got a call. Our uh, our setup's a little ghetto right now, so oh. you can you can hear the calls. It w- it wasn't loud. We heard you. We heard all your thoughts, crystal clear, Trev. Number six, I have DeAndre Hunter, and I feel good, DeAndre Hunter from Virginia, I feel good about my NBA comparison that I have for him. Which is? It's Harrison Barnes, and I am taking pride in this because I have not seen it anywhere else. Okay. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna take a second for that to, to sink in because if you hear any commentators in the future talking about Harrison Barnes and DeAndre Hunter, you heard it here first on the Tayshawn's Muscle Podcast. And the reason why I like that comparison, first of all, I think their body type and athleticism is very similar. Uh, second of all, like how they're going to be three, four hybrids, maybe more comfortable defending the four, honestly, when I look at DeAndre Hunter. But not that he won't be able to hold up against threes. I just don't think his lateral movement is elite. And he, DeAndre Hunter is, when I look at him, he moves in straight lines. He's like Pac-Man. And that comparison just came to me. He's not, he doesn't have a lot of shake to his game. He likes to drive hard in one direction and then pull up. Like he loves the one dribble pull up, the two dribble pull up. And he has a nice high release that kind of reminds me of Harrison Barnes. And he can make threes, but it always just seems a little more comfortable from the mid range. Like it seems like he wants to get to the mid range. So. For those reasons, I see him as a Harrison Barnes. Would you love to get Harrison Barnes as a six pick in a draft, especially a week one? Like maybe, I, probably. Oh, just a maybe. I'd say yes, but uh, okay. I mean, he so, shot, so tear he apart that percent from three. So he's not just a mid range shooter, right? Yeah, but that's it's on low attempts, and when he shoots, he, when he shoots threes, his toes are at the line. Like he's not shooting them from range, and there's a lot I mean, from the corners too. It says here he okay. He shot 105 attempts this season. So, I mean, anyways, uh, I like DeAndre Hunter. I think he's like, um, 
I, I don't know. Everyone says this in the draft, but he's one of the safer bets, I feel like, just because of he seems to be an above-average three-point shooter and he can create off the dribble uh, and one-two dribble pull-ups like you mentioned. And just because of his frame, like he is already like a like a, a stout guy, right? You already feel like he has an NBA body. Yeah, he's but six seven, he's two thirty, he has a seven two wingspan. But what's so, funny is yeah. when in the ACC battles they had with Duke, he always just looked like a little elf next to Zion. <laughs> Zion. <laughs> yeah, it's true, but he, Zion's the outlier though. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so because of that, because of his frame and his shooting, like. I, it's really hard to see DeAndre Hunter, like, especially not going to a team that doesn't need him to be a star. Like, if the Knicks take to number three, I'd be really worried. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, if the Pelicans keep the number four pick and don't trade it, I kind of like him as a pick for the Pelicans. Okay. Um, because it just seems like he he's just solid and he could become a really solid player. I don't see him as Harrison Barnes because I think Harrison Barnes, I mean, I don't even know if I like that comparison because Harrison Barnes is pretty inefficient. Um, I, I, I kind of see DeAndre Hunter as more of a Jay Crowder type of player. Okay. With a little more one dribble, two pull up to his game. But he seems like a solid pick. So put it, so put him higher. Are you putting him higher on your board? Yeah, I'd probably put him above. Um, above Culver? Because they get compared a lot. Or no? I mean, honestly, no. If it, honestly, I'll probably keep Culver above. But once again, if I'm a team, it doesn't like I might pick Hunter before Culver, depending what team I'm drafting for. Well, all these teams in this area—the Bulls, the Suns, the Hawks, especially—could use a physical three. It's the most yeah. in-demand thing. I'd put I'd put Hunter before White though, and I'd for mm-hmm. sure put Hunter and Culver before R.J. Barrett. As did I. You know, so, I don't have R.J. Barrett yet. Okay. Well. <laughs> So next on my big board, I have Brandon Clark at number seven. So, Trev, do you remember who I was in love with last year in the draft or no? Or is that too long ago? Give me a clue. Texas Tech. Oh, Zaire Smith. Yeah, I I just get the same feeling watching. And Zaire Smith, part of his intrigue was that he was a freshman. And obviously, Brandon Clark is the opposite of freshman. Yeah, he's old. He's old. But the way that he's improved, I look at how players have improved. And the jump that he made in his uh, transfer year when he was sitting out was just remarkable. It's like pretty incredible. The, the touch that he gained, and I just, I don't know. Whenever I whenever I watched this guy this past season, I just thought that he would find a way to make it work. I think his long term position is at the four. Mm-hmm. I I don't think he has the heft to play like that's super small ball if you put him at the five. But I think he could survive at the three or the four, and. I don't know. Do you think that he could put together a competent three-point shot? Or is that too much know. of an ask? What did, what did Draymond shoot in college? Oh, I don't remember. I don't know. I mean, this guy, he only took 15 threes this season and made four of them. Four, yeah. Or, or five. So, gosh, that's so risky because – but you'd have to – oh, man, he's almost 23 already. I didn't realize he was that old. Yeah, he's old. So that makes me really think, like, I don't know if he'll develop a three-point shot. Mm-hmm. He's already 23. Um, but once again, he, the jump he made from San Jose State to Gonzaga was unprecedented. So maybe he'll be an outlier and make another jump like that in terms of shooting. Yeah. So it's it's, it's not um, unbelievable. I really like Brandon Clark, too, though, because, it, like, there is no question really at all that he'll just be a defensive pest and menace and also on the boards how good he'll be on the boards and offensive boards. So, like, uh, I was reading a big board today. His name, let's see, who's this author's name? His name's Brandon Anderson. 
uh, from Man, and he don't know who that for, is. Uh, the medium uh, for sports rad raid. Sorry, sports raid. And he had Brandon Clark at number three on his big board. <laughs> what the? All right. Yeah. Uh, but he just he just really raved about his like his like there's no it's just doesn't seem like it's possible that he just won't translate as a defensive elite player in the nba yeah at minimum at minimum he's a rich man's jordan bell yes yes or or like andre robeson with a little more like offensive playmaking ability Mm -hmm. and even already a better shooter than andre robeson right like andre can't even make anything and this guy shot 70 percent for the free throw line so he's like a subpar shooter so um I, I really like him, especially like if he gets the right team fit. You put him on someone like like I try to compare him to Draymond, but I agree with you. It's a little unless he really fills out, it might be tougher him to play the small ball five. Yeah, but you put him on a team that is just has three offensive like superstars and shooters like that, and he is that glue guy that just can really stand out. Absolutely. Anything else you want to say before I go on? WCC. WCC. No, I have nothing else to say. Okay, number eight. I have our first foreign player. Oh gosh. It's not it's not Goya, Goja. It is. It is Seku. Oh, and gosh. I kinda I kinda hate myself for putting this up here. And it's just upside, upside, upside. I think I want to believe that his ceiling is like pe- like people say Siakam, but Siakam is so much longer than this guy and dribbles so much better. Oh gosh, I think I'm talking myself out of it. I think his ceiling might be just like Alfru Kaminu or something. And <laughs> Which isn't horrible. Oh no, no. That's not would you draft Aminu eighth in this draft? <laughs> you probably uh, would. That's probably higher than expected output. I don't know. Probably not. No. I um I do I like him in transition a lot. He's I don't know. He's been the internet darling over the past week, and I just think I fell into the trap. Gosh dang it. Why do I have him at eighth on my big board? Yeah, you you fell hard. Uh, I mean, honestly, I don't know that much about him, so I'm not going to comment too much. Okay, guys that I've never seen ever since ever since 2013 in the Giannis draft, I just feel like I have to move him up a few slots just so I don't look I, stupid later. I know, <laughs> like the Giannis and the Pascal Siakam like type of players. You don't want to be the guy that misses on him. But then you also don't want to be the guy who thinks Thon Baker was like the next coming. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, there's there's more the, flops than than hits with these unknowns. Yeah, that's like, true. Somebody so on the internet why, the other day. Like, if you're the Hawks, and how many how many first-round draft picks do the Hawks have? Three? Three, yeah. So, like, if you're someone like the Hawks who already have a talented roster and you've got, like, Brandon Clark and someone and another one of your targets, mm-hmm. I think it's totally reasonable to take take a swing on, on, one, on Siku. And give it a shot. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I was I was gonna say something else about him. I forgot. Uh, whatever. Oh, I uh, on the internet today. Who was it? Somebody had an article comparing his hype to Mario Hazonia. Oh gosh. Yeah. All right. I mean, he's, and, a, bi- he's a big dude. Yeah, he's big. He's big. I like his attitude too. I, oh, you know what else sold me? There was this interview with him, and he oh, just you love a good interview. Yeah, I, I loved the interview. Just fell hard. Fell for the accent. But just the determination in his eyes. He was just like promising me through the video that he was going to give it his all. So I was oh, like, oh man. yeah, let's scoop this guy up. All right, number nine. Here, This is going to be a big surprise. Okay, this guy. Um, all right, no, I'm, I'm not going to hold you hostage anymore. So I was going to try to think of some riddle or something to make you guess who it was. Oh. So at number nine, I have Talon Horton Tucker. Oh my. And a couple things I read, I've been 
I've been bullish on him for a while. And then I felt enabled by a couple of things from people that I respected that they wrote about him. And I think his ceiling is way higher than people give him credit for. So do you know a lot about him, first of all? I mean, I knew he played at Iowa State. And I mean, yeah, I know a little bit about him. So he's a bowling ball. He's yeah. ridiculously strong. He's like 6'4", 240. And he has a 7'2". two. he has a super long wingspan. Yeah, he has, right? he has a 7'2 wingspan. He looks oh, like a... He looks like Geo Dude on the basketball court. Like his like arms are just like, yeah, yeah, the Pokemon. And so he looks a little weird. Like he sticks out when you watch him. And I only saw a couple of Iowa State games, but I did the deep dive on him. And he has a really quick first step, but he has like no bounce. But here's the thing: he still got boards just through position and whatnot. But he doesn't. He like doesn't jump very high. I don't know how. Else, like really. Yeah, but at the same time, I wasn't discouraged by it because he was really quick laterally. His defense was good, and he made a few step-back threes. So he went to the same high school that Jabari and Derrick Rose did, Simeon, and he was like a big-time scorer there. And he has this guards mentality, but I think as he gets to the NBA and he embraces positionless basketball, he'll be able to play the two through the four like seamlessly. And... He's so like quick for the amount of luggage that he's carrying around and he looks he looks a little bit pudgy like he can tone up a bit. But uh did, wait, did I already talk about the step back threes that he made? Yeah. Sorry, I'm just getting lost in Taylor Horton Tuckerland. So yeah, these these were like hard eyes step back. They were like step back 28 footers and he only oh. shot like 31% from 3, but I think it's because he was attempting a lot of shots like this. Uh, so it probably looked way ugly sometimes, but he's my PJ Tucker comparison with a higher ceiling because he has much more off the bounce game. And he's just something, he's just someone that I can envision playing high stakes minutes in the playoffs. I mean, he does kind of have the, the, the frame and the skills set to be like someone the Raptors or the Rockets played when they were playing the Warriors, right? Yeah. Like one of these wings that can defend and who's strong, uh-huh. uh, like that. I mean, I don't know. I didn't watch that much of Iowa State this year because they've burned me the last two years in the NCAA tournament, so I had to shield my eyes from them. Yeah. But, um, like, he's not a good free throw shooter. I don't know how concerning that is. He only shot 62% from the free throw line. Yeah, it is concerning. 31% from three. Yeah. The dude is, I'm, I'm watching some of his stuff right now, though. Geo Dude is a very on point comparison. Yeah, man. Just I... how, he's, how he's kind of rolling around out there. And man, I guess I'm I'm kind of getting your vibe here, Dan. There's like this draft it, after Zion, and then especially after like Culver, Hunter, and and, uh-huh. and Jaw. Uh-huh. There's like everyone else. There's like some wide variety of like opinions on them, and there's so many unknowns. So kind of in this draft, like I expect there to be a lot of different, like a lot of unexpected picks. Yeah, like, you know how like sometimes it's like, oh my gosh, they picked that guy at number six. Uh-huh. I expect that to happen a lot this draft because yeah, and that that's what makes it fun. Yeah, and that's what I love about it. So I mean, I I would I, I don't have him that high <laughs> on my draft board, but I'm not in love with so much with someone else that I look at it and be like, oh my gosh, that's outrageous. Yeah, I like it could be looking so foolish. Oh, I forgot to mention he's like the youngest player in the draft too. He's he turned 18 in November. Yeah, so that's crazy. 
All right, so I'm going to group together my next ones because we got to go faster. So at 10, 11, and 12, I'm grouping these guys together for a reason because they came in as projected top five picks, and I just realized I have them grouped together. So at 10, I have Nasir Little. 11, I have Cam Reddish. And 12, I have RJ Barrett. And quick Cliff Notes thoughts on those, and then I'll let you pick apart those guys in whatever order you want. Okay. Okay, you don't seem shocked that I put Cam above RJ, obviously, which is a little bit disappointing to me, but... Also reassuring. No, you've known all along I'm not an RJ fan. Yeah. So for Nasir Little, I don't care if he's Stanley Johnson. Just with with his motor and his athleticism. Well, I shouldn't say athletic. I think his athleticism is a little overrated. I should say his strength. I just, in his frame, I just feel like you have to take him. And I don't care how dumb he looked and how out of place he looked at North Carolina at times. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't know what happened there, but he tore up the the uh, whatever you call the circuit the high schoolers go through the Jordan game, the McDonald's All American game, and uh, so yeah, that's my thoughts about him. Cam Reddish, oh man, uh, I like I wanted to love him so bad the whole year. I wanted to say definitively that he was better than R.J. Barrett all year, and he he gave me glimpses. I came back on him for one reason, and it was just because of his steal percentage, which is really oh, stupid. Gosh. But they say that's the number one predictor in draft success. And But here's the thing. If I was on a team that, unless you were totally hopeless and had absolutely no shot creators right now, I'd much rather have Cam Reddish than RJ Barrett. That's just what it comes down to. So, like, if I was the Knicks, I'd probably take, I'd probably take RJ Barrett over Cam Reddish. But that's one of the only situations where I would. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like if I'm the Hawks, I'm taking Cam Reddish over RJ Barrett, no questions asked. Um anyway, I think RJ Barrett just has a little bit too much battering ram in his game for me. And couple that with the fact that he's so left hand dominant and some of his misses from three point range are alarming. They're just like off the they might as well be like off the side of the back where they're just like ugly. And his his free throw shooting, I just I don't see with his scoring mentality how a team could rein that in. Okay. What do you think about yeah, that order? I, I'm I've been lower on RJ too. I think when people say it's a it's a three person draft, Zion, RJ, and Ja, mm-hmm. it's like it. I shake my head because I don't even see like RJ as a top ten player in this. And okay. I, I, I kind of uh, the ringer talked about it for a while. It's like what team in the NBA really wants RJ? Like wh- where does he fit? Because what he is, the only way that RJ makes an impact on the game is when he has the ball in his hands. He has to have the ball in his hands, right? He's not a good spacer. He's not really a good cutter. He's not a good defender. Like he's not. He's not an above average rebounder, anything like that. I would he say he's a. I would say he's a hands. decent. He has. I'd say he's a decent cutter. But yeah, keep going. Okay. So it's like, what team wants him? Like, do you want him to join the Suns and when you already have Devin Booker who's, and DeAndre Aiden who needs a lot of touches? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want him joining the Pelicans now when you have Zion and, like, Brandon Ingram that need all these touches? No. that's you would, I would much rather have the Pelicans take Cam Reddish. So, uh, like, I just don't know what team really wants R.J. Barrett. Maybe the Cavs, but they already have someone in Colin Sexton who's, like, this high-usage, inefficient dude. They want two of those. So, I just, like, I don't know. The thing about R.J. is that I, th- I think the Cavs yeah. would give him a shot. That's the other team. The Cavs and the Knicks. For that would be good yeah, landing like the, spots. The Cavs might just because they have no one else. But, yeah, I'm not huge on RJ because for him to, like, do anything, he has to have the ball in his hand. And when he has the ball in his hand, he, like, doesn't he doesn't seem like he's very smart and makes the right decision a lot. And mm-hmm. he's just a, not that good of a shooter. He's, like, a subpar shooter. And 
I'm with you. I watched a lot of Duke games this year, and some of the make some of like the decision making he made for his jump shots, and then how far off his misses were were alarming. So I'm not an RJ fan. Um, I'm probably higher on Cam Reddish than you. I probably have Cam in my top eight on my big board. Okay. And that's just because I'm he was so dominant in high school in the AAU tournament and all that type of stuff that I'm betting on his skill set um, that he showed there, and I'm just hoping that Duke was just a bad situation for him with so many other players that were like in an offense that didn't uh, meet his skill set, mm-hmm. that his true talent will, will show up. Because he, he does look like he can be an elite shooter. So I'm all on like the Hawks taking him on like number seven. Yeah. Uh, okay. Whatever pick they have. Yeah, that's um, fair. That's it. Um, so I'm higher I'm higher on him than, than probably you are. And <coughs> I oh. think that if I had to pick three people in this draft, that would be NBA All-Stars in the future. It would be Zion Williams, John Moran, and Cam Reddish. So oh, I'm yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm not okay with you there. The Knicks take him number three, to be honest. I can't see a world where Cam Reddish ends up being an all-star. I'm trying to think who else would I put in there, though. Like, I'd put those there's top nothing, two. I, I don't... I'd, I'd put Darius Garland there. Those would, those would be my three for all-star potential. I'd probably, I'd probably have Cam Reddish above uh, Darius Garland on my big board, too. I, 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 I might just get eaten alive later, but... Uh, no, that's good. So, good. Uh, and what was the last one? Uh, Nasir, but before, like, I don't want to forget this thought. I saw someone had compiled a list of all of the guys that entered their freshman seasons being projected top three picks, but fell out of the top three. And it was like the most uninspiring list that I've seen. It was in the, it was like in the past decade because no, a lot of the times I fall into that trap. Like I, I think we both express these types of thoughts that, oh yeah, if they were tearing up the high school circuit, maybe it was their college coach that screwed them up, that didn't put a, put them in the right position. Uh, but that hasn't been the case recently. It was guys like, I don't know, like Shabazz Muhammad, Austin Rivers, like Jared Sollinger. I don't know why those are the ones that are coming to mind. Don't tell me he's going to be Shabazz Muhammad. No, no he, yeah, I'm, I'm scared. No, he'll, he'll be better. Uh, but yeah, did you, did you have any Nasir thoughts? No, I nothing new besides you. I probably put Nasir above RJ too, just because he seems like a safer bet on what he can do with his frame. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I like that. All right, so my next one is uh, Goja Badatse, Badatsi, and when I watched him, he seemed like uh, like his athleticism was not inspiring. I don't know if he's a long term NBA starter, but I think I think uh, like his rim. Gosh, what <laughs> I'm talking myself out of it again. Dang it. No, I just I want to like this guy because for those that don't haven't heard of this guy, it's spelled G-O-G-A. And I just think that it sounds like a cool painter from like the 1700s. So anyway, this guy, he has he played in the Euro League and posted really good numbers as a 19 year old. And he reminds me of a lot of centers that have done at least decently in the NBA recently. Like he gets comps to Nurkic because he has pretty good passing feel, instincts around the basket, but he's not necessarily the quickest mover laterally. But when he fills out, he's going to be huge. And yeah, I don't know. I I kind of liked his demeanor on the court, how he didn't back down at all as a young player uh, playing against grown men. And he posted really good per minute numbers. He kind of reminds me of like a more athletic Ante Zizic and... I I value that, and what am I at now? I'm at the 13th on my big board. So, do you want to share your thoughts about? You probably don't like him because he's just a straight up center. I mean, you want to pick Ante Zizic with the number 13 pick? No, no, no. I said he's. I said he's more athletic. I said he's. I said he's significantly more athletic. Okay. I threw Nurkic out there too. Um. 
So what type of painter, like, I didn't even know this was like his name resembled a, a 1700 painter. Is it just because it just is it just because of Vincent Van Gogh? I mean, I can throw out some painters from that era for you. I can like I was looking at some Velasquez artwork the other day, some Las Meninas. Oh man, um, yeah, but, you might. I, I might need some more uh, help on to understand that comparison. But um, how old is this guy? I forget how old is he. He's nineteen. I said it. Were you listening? Okay, sorry. He's I, young. I was probably laughing about your <laughs> painting comparison. Yeah, he, um, he's still young. I probably don't have them. I wouldn't have them this high on my big board either. Okay. Um, so like I could, I honestly can see a little bit of the Nurkic comparison, like on, on offense, but I guess he, he it says he averaged 2.3 blocks. What are your feelings on like his, his rim protection? It was good. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in the right place a lot and he uses his verticality real well. Like he doesn't go block hunting. He was just like straight up and down a lot and guys just like found their way into his arms. Not that he wasn't doing anything skillful, but it's just like he's a big dude and he used his length. But that's, yeah, it's hard to do that against NBA athletes though. Like I could see him being a foul magnet. Yeah, that's just my, that's my concern is like, what if he turns, what if he saw it on offense and he turns into like what Andrew Bogut was in the NBA finals where he just mm-hmm. can't keep up and he's just getting fouls every two minutes. Yeah. Um, so that'd be that'd be my concern with him, but um, I actually did watch a little a tape on him just because the use of Nurkic comp is is pretty like that's pretty standard for this guy. Yeah, and you weren't loving it, huh? Maybe because I'm just biased because I'm a Blazer <laughs> fan, but I just feel like Nurkic is a little bit bigger and has um, and has it has way more passing skills than this guy does. Mm-hmm. Like, because Nurkic is a pretty good passer. Yeah, like with people cutting and off of that, and I just didn't see it from this guy, but okay, I could be wrong. Hey, I forgot to mention that Talon Horton Tucker has like some of the biggest hands in this draft. Just going back a little bit, I forgot to mention. He is kind of a weird like body type. I understand. Uh, okay, my next guy is uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. So oh, solid. He's just like he's just kind of a creative player, you know. Yeah. Right? Doesn't he have all of his sliders up just to medium on everything? Just kind of solid. Yeah, he's like the. When you play Mario Kart and you choose Mario, it's like they have three stars on everything. Yeah, and Versus I gotta stand, like I gotta stand car. for him a bit because he's he's Shea Gildas Alexander's cousin, and that's my guy too. So it oh, runs in the family, that. got the strong bloodlines. But I don't have much more to say about him except for I think he's a good fit in the modern NBA. I did watch him a lot in the uh, this year in college because. Virginia play every time they played Duke. I watched. Okay. And then I watched him in the NCAA tournament. And he was off in the tournament from what I remember. Yeah. That's why I'm like, I, I mean, I became a little bit higher on him. Just read Cause everyone actually has him as like a top 15 player in most everyone's big boards, which kind of surprised me. But once again, I was probably biased cause he didn't play that well in the tournament, mm. but based on his stat profile, I mean, he shot 38% for three and four boards, four assists, two steals. Like he just, he just seemed like a solid player in the NBA with his size too. So, yeah, I think he's a rotation guy. He's a little bit older. He's 21 already, so he's yeah, not a bit like older for super a young player. like Horton. But um, I could see him as like a as a solid NBA bench player. He's got a good skill set. Nice. Um, the next couple of guys that I'm gonna I'm gonna group these guys together at 15 and 16 because I think they're gonna occupy similar spaces on the court. You're gonna have a lot to say about both these, so I'm gonna let you take the lead. So you're gonna have to oh, be gosh. you're gonna have to be thinking on the fly and speak off the cuff. But I'm putting together PJ Washington and Grant Williams. Ooh, man, I love is, both of 
he's is, got. Is that a good so grouping probably, though? T- tell me that's not a good grouping. Like I love that grouping. Okay. I I probably put I probably put these two guys honestly higher in my big board, but I I say that and I don't know who I'd put like lower than them. But I've been consistently saying that I really want uh, Grant Williams or honestly PJ Tucker as a pick for the Blazers. Washington. Uh, sorry, PJ Washington. Honestly, I, Blazers could use PJ Tucker too. That's probably why I said it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like Grant Williams, like. You just watch him play, and I don't really know how else to explain it except the dude can play basketball. It's like he does yeah. everything. He he rotated well on defense, super quick. Like he he's so he's like strong. He's like an ox, and he's like a decent three point, sh- um, okay three point shooter too. Uh-huh. Like, and he's <laughs> one thing for about both these guys, specifically Grant Williams, which is a true NBA skill set, is they can screen. Yeah, like Grant Williams is an elite screener, which people don't really think about. They just like, oh, you shot the run pick and roll. It's a real skill. Shout out and Cole so, Gorange. Shout out Cole Gorange at his has his business meeting. Okay, keep going. Oh yeah, and so like I like both these guys as um, like fours that are running pick and rolls with like good point guards because they're elite screeners, and both of them can shoot. Mm-hmm. Off like the roll or pop, and they both of them. It seems like their their range will extend to three point range. And the reason I probably even like Grant Williams a little bit more is he seems to show a little bit of more playmaking um, ability, and like he can really facilitate the offense um, through like if he's the pick and roll a guy off the pick and roll. I really trust him to make the right decision, either doing the short roll or pulling up for a pull up mid range or being a good passer. So. He's just like this gritty, like hardworking player who, like, you just feel like he does everything right. Yeah, he's like tr- he's always trying to do everything right. What a so, what what number do the pick do the Blazers have? Twenty five. So the decent chance he falls to them. Yeah, there's some people who don't even have him in like their top twenty or sorry, top thirty a big board. So how like, how ticked, ESPN, how ticked would you be? Did their mock draft? They didn't even have him in the first round. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hey, how, how bummed are you going to be when the Blazer when he's on the board at 25 and the Blazers don't snag? Yeah, I'm gonna, well, depends on who when, else is there because, like I said, when, there could be some guys that really drop. So when they when um, they when they snag like Tyler Hero instead. Oh man, if they pick Tyler Hero above, <laughs> I'm going to have Neil Ultra's head. Uh, but I like both these guys. Okay, all right, number 18. No, that's wrong. Number 16 is I have Jackson Hayes from Texas. So he used to be a football player, and then he had this big growth spurt. And watching him, I'm like, don't these guys that have these late growth spurts and end up being like nimble on their feet and have good hands? Because he used to be a wide receiver. Uh, shout out Willie Cauley-Stein. Aren't these guys, aren't they supposed to have like more guard skills like Anthony Davis? Because this dude, literally, he dribbled like three times the entire season. Like, didn't attempt any shots outside the paint. He did have a good free throw percentage. Um, but this one might... Do you think this one might come back to bite me, having him this low? Yeah, I, this is probably the one where I most definitively disagree with you on. Oh, this low? No, I, I don't I don't even think I'd have him top 25 in my big board. Oh, shoot. Okay. So, like... You're just I, not into I, the like, centers, though. Say what? You're just not into centers. Well, I'm not into rim-running centers. I'd probably mm-hmm. take Goga above jackson hayes so the reason um because here's the thing so i read this article so i might be a little recency biased i read this article that talked about rim running centers yeah it like compared like the best rim running centers of like all time and it showed their plus minus 
and their offensive black, uh, and their value over replacement player and all that different type of stuff. Uh-huh. Basically, the best rim runner of all time is DeAndre Jordan, okay? okay? And he had, like, three years where he was really good at what he did. Okay. And it's a very short window, right? Because he wasn't as good this last year on the Mavs. He really got maximized for three years because he had CP3. And you kind of look at the rim runners, and it's like, Clint Capella has a 2.5 value over replacement player. Robin Lopez has a 2.5. Like, Tyson Chandler had a 3 uh, value mm-hmm. of replacement player at like his top like when he okay. was like the best what he was doing at the Mavs and it's just there's so many of these rim runners that you can get on minimum contracts like JaVale McGee mm-hmm. and like Birdman Willie, Willie College signed this offseason right like New Orleans Noel like he turned yeah. down that massive contract which is stupid but now he'll probably always just be this guy getting like four to five million on these two to three year deals and I just like I just think when you're really his only elite skill is rim running and like dunking, and you don't even know how well he's going to turn him off as a rim protector. I just don't even know if he's worth the 18th pick in the draft. I have him up here because I think his defense could be good. I have him this low because his rebounding sucks. Um, yeah, that's alarming. But how, yeah, he's he's young. Rebound. I don't know his his free throw percentage was good though, which makes me yeah. think he could develop develop a mid ranger and. He's got a, a really good motor, but his like even for a rim runner, he didn't have dynamite athleticism by any means. No, no. I, I just think his skill set you find off the fringe because there's there's so many seven foot tall like elite centers who have are very are more limited in their skill set. I just yeah. think you can find that type of player. Yeah, he's just not a sexy enough pick for you right here. Yeah. Okay. Um, hey, speaking of sexy picks, at 19 on my big board, I have Kevin Porter Jr. And I am obligated to love this guy from USC, not because he has a lot of problems off court. Actually, I'm not down with that. That was that was disappointing. But he's just he's left-handed and smooth, and the league is just always better when you have left-handed smooth players that you get to watch. That's true. So I have to put him this high because he does a lot of stuff that no one else does basically. And I don't really have an NBA comp. I, it can't be James Harden and all the other left-handed players no. I went through. Nobody else like fit. Um, but I mean, the reason why I threw out James Harden is because he does do the step backs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's a crater and feel and passing and all of that other intangible stuff between them. So I put him at 19 because his game is aesthetically pleasing and for no other thing. Like don't, don't cite any of his stats. Okay. I, th- I think he I shot was... like he shot like fifty percent from the free throw line. <laughs> yeah, because I was actually going to cite some stats, and <laughs> not, none of his stat profiles screams anything potential. Yeah, but where's the swag stat? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess he does I, have some swag. Yeah, he, I just went there. I guess that's that's like he has swag, even though he doesn't have the stats to build it up. Because where's the steal I, your girl I stat? Games, um, because I have the Pac-12 network at home, so I probably watched a few like USC games on a Tuesday night at like. 10:30 p.m. Bruh. And he like has some dribbling moves, Did you but get... I feel like they were all unnecessary. There's like little nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Dribbling. So that probably is Kevin Porter Jr. in a nutshell. Uh huh. So I wouldn't have him this high. I'd probably have him like uh, like high 20s. Yeah. Just because of his off court issues, and he shot 52 percent from the free throw line. Like yeah. what the heck? It wasn't a ton of attempts, so he had like more three point attempts than that, and he shot. Didn't he? Yeah, I mean, he shot 41% for three, and he had 70, 68 three-point attempts. But, I mean, he's not a playmaker at all. Mm-hmm. 1.4 assists. He's probably more like a J.R. Smith. That's what the ringer comp is, and I kind of like that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's hard for me. For some reason, it's hard for me to ever make left-handed to right-hand or vice versa comparison. Just, Why? Because it just seems like it's an entirely different game when you're shooting left-handed. Uh, I mean, a little bit, but. Boom. Uh, all right. Yeah. Thanks for dissing him. He's still at 19 for me. So 20. I have Chuma Okiki. Okay, Yeah. <clears throat> Shoot, I meant to look up how to say his last name. I can't say it either. Um, he's the Auburn guy that got his ACL torn, and everyone thought they were done for, and then they proceeded to win a couple more games. So he he's like 6'8 with a 7-foot wingspan. Just I feel like he fits the prototype. He shoots. His steal percentage is off the charts, like a high-character glue guy. And I'm not scared off by ACL injuries at all. And... That's why I think he, whatever value he might be losing with the ACL injury, I'm willing to take a risk on that because I don't think I'm going to get a rotation player at this point anyway. And so that's why I put him there. Yeah, I'm actually hiring him too. And ACL surgeries, unless it's like Jonte Porter where it's two and six months, that's yeah. a little concerning. Yeah. But ACL nowadays, um, they come back so clean usually mm-hmm. uh, that it shouldn't be that big of a deal for him. And he kind of reminds me of a like Robert Covington, and I actually thought up of that before the Ringer uh, comparison mock. I want everyone to know that. Yeah. Because he's Every, like yeah. he's like taller and he has a long wingspan, and uh, he's like he just I don't know what the word I'm trying to say. He, it, I don't know if it's smooth, but he just he always seemed like when I watch because I I loved watching him play when Auburn the first couple games when they made their run. He was like a key part of their team, right? Uh-huh. And he just he just always seemed like he was in control. Uh-huh. Like on defense and on offense, like he just seemed like he was control, whether that was cutting or on defense or, you know, like calling like positional on defense. So I, I, I think he's a solid player. So you think this is a good spot for him? Yeah, I really do. I, I agree with you in this point. I, I think someone should take a, a pick on him. Like if Grant Williams is gone and the Blazers took a pick on him, I, I'd be happy with it. Okay. All right. My next guy is Bull Bull. Do you want to talk about Bull Bull? Man. For the for those that are just you know, for those that are just listening to support and don't know basketball, yes, there is a player named Bull Bull. It's spelled B O L B O L. So yeah, go. And I know you got uh, some thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge Ducks fan, so I was super pumped because he was like a number three recruit in all of last year. Yeah, like overall. So I was super pumped when he got him. And honestly, the what games? How many games did he play? Ten games that he played for the Ducks. He was lights out. I know. Like, <laughs> I know he was, he was really good. So I'm going to spend a little more time on Bull Bull just because he is like a really weird prospect, right? He's seven two and a half. Same. But only weighs two hundred eight pounds. So how much does Talon Horton Jr. weigh? He weighs. I think it's like two thirty five or two forty somewhere in that range. And he's six four. Yeah, so Talon Horton is like eleven inches or ten and a half inches shorter than Bull Bull and weighs twenty pounds more than him. 30, for 30 pounds So more. the dude, Bull Bull is a bean pole, um, uh-huh. but he has a 7'7 wingspan and a standing reach of 9 feet and 7.5 inches. So he basically can dunk without like barely having to jump, uh-huh. <laughs> like on his tiptoes. Um, and the dude can shoot. Like He shot 52% from three-point range for the Ducks, though small sample size, and shot 76% um, from like the free-throw line. Anyways, um he's super risky right because he's such a weird thin frame and he's so tall that he just doesn't have the mobility to be like to to stay with guards right like out Mm -hmm. in the three-point line yeah 
like he can't he won't be able to like switch and guard just because he has too much limbs like to move quick enough to keep up with like the elite athletes like Damian Lillard. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes a question of can he be a rim protector? And he honestly has really good defensive instincts. Like I, I was super impressed watching him his instincts on blocking shots. He averaged 2.7 blocks per game, which is really high in college. But once again, that was against college athletes. Can he do that with his very thin, thin frame against stronger NBA athletes? And I don't know. So the defensive side. Yeah, and you you haven't mentioned the foot injuries yet. Oh, no, no, no. I haven't even gotten to that. So I'm doing all this assuming like he was healthy. He'd even have some question marks. So, um, But what he is, what is pretty much a guarantee is that he is like a like a zone beater in the NBA. Like you, you you know how the the Raptors kind of played a zone mm-hmm. in the NBA Finals. Yeah. Like I honestly thought about Bull Bull. Uh-huh. I was like, man, the Warriors, man, they don't need Andrew Bogut. They need Bull Bull out there as like some <laughs> seven foot three dude who's like uh-huh. a zone breaker who can shoot the three. So uh-huh. he's like a unique offensive talent. Um, but once again, he had a a foot of uh, he broke a foot in his sorry a bone in his foot. Yeah. And typically especially for guys who are seven two, um, that's really scary. Yeah. For guys that big. So he's a huge medical red flag. If 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 teams think like there's any risk that his foot won't heal correctly, then he could he could honestly drop to like second round. I don't know. Second round. If every team's like I don't even think he'll ever be healthy again. Man, I want him to succeed really bad in the NBA though. He would be I really like him. He would be like Boban, but Yes. He has an even cooler name. He has the he has the minute bowl pedigree, and who do you think looks goofier on the court? No one. He's so weird. I, I, I think, think Boban still. I think Boban still looks goofier. Like he was taking in in Oregon, he was taking guys like behind the back step back threes. Yeah. So he's he's this he's weird project. One thing I will say though, the dude has never set like a real screen in his life. Same. Like he barely makes contact on the screens because he's so like thin. So yeah. I don't know. Some real concern. Yeah. Well, do you have anything more to say? No. All right, I'm throwing a batch at you. Go Ducks. Okay. I'm throwing at you Bruno Fernando. Oh, wow. I'm throwing at you Casey Akpala from Stanford. And I'm throwing at you Rui Hachimura. So Rui Hachimura, probably the most household name on this list. Or may- maybe people know Bruno Fernando from Maryland. It's uh, For Bruno, my NBA comp is Jan Mahimi. And I, I, he's, he's a really physical center and he does pass the ball. I think his passing is overrated, but he's just like an average scorer, really strong guy, really good rebounder, good motor. Um, KZ is an upside pick for me. His advanced stuff isn't that good at Stanford, but he is really fluid, especially with the ball. And he's like six, nine and he can get wherever he wants on the court. So that's not, that's not a common skill. And then Rui Hachimura is just his IQ frustrated me sometimes. And I don't see his game translating well to the NBA. I see him as like a Jabari Parker, but like right, like with a torn ACL. Thank you. Oh <laughs> like, okay. Just like a, a poor man's Jabari Parker. Okay. So Bruno Fernando, you know, everyone says like. It- Elite athlete is almost overused now in the NBA draft because, first off, you have to be an elite athlete regardless to make the NBA, right? Yeah. But when you actually say elite athlete, he's one of the few where it actually sticks, right? Like, he is insane. 
in terms of his athletic ability and how, and how big and thick his body is and how long of arms he has. His okay, I like his body. Do you have his measurements by chance? He's, yeah, he's six ten and a half height, two thirty seven weight, and his wingspan is seven three. Yeah, I don't know about it. He's not like an explosive vertical athlete though. He's just oh, really. I thought he, he was. No, he's just really strong. He's not. He's not like he'll go up and get an alley oop at the top of the square. Well, okay. I mean, he's not. I, I don't know. I like in terms of like. I think he's a better like elite athlete than Jackson Hayes. Okay. So, I don't know. Take that for what you may, but I think he's one of the few guys that actually, when you say elite athlete, it, it matches up to what he has. Okay. So um, you so you like him a lot. Yeah, I I was actually about to text you today. I was like, man, why aren't people talking about Bruno Fernando like at pick number twenty? But he's he's a good rebounder. Yeah, and, he is. Um, his he shot seventy eight percent from the free throw line, so um, he definitely needs to um, uh, like hone in on some of his offensive skills to make sure um, so he could be like a pick and pop threat. But I like him. Okay, I'll keep going. Rui Hachimura. I'm mm-hmm. probably lower on him than you are. Like, what did you put him in? Was he, like, number 22 on your big board? Yeah, yeah. You're even lower than that? I, yeah, I'd probably have him in the 30s. Okay. Like, I just, I don't know. I agree with you, but I I don't know. He it, he just had, like, no IQ on Gonzaga, I feel like. There's so many times where he'd be, like, backing someone up to take a flight away, and there would just be someone wide open in the corner. Uh-huh. Like, Perkins would be wide open, and, like, he never knew how to make the pass out of the double team. Uh-huh. So I just don't know if his like because he got a late start, right? He didn't yeah. even start playing till he was like fifteen. Yeah. Uh huh. And those development years are important for like kids to like get the feel of the game and you know passing yeah. and cutting. And, and he was he was like if, getting he was getting comfortable like, with English too. Oh, sorry. No, that was all I had to say about him. Okay. Did you have anything to say about KZ? Do you know anything about him? Uh, he just he's kind of what the kind of a three and D prospect, right? Like you think about. Like the size and like a, a multi-dimensional a wing, right? Mm-hmm. I think he's a yeah. secondary playmaker too. Like I said, the the skill that stuck out was his fluidity with the ball. Like he has a pretty tight handle. Like I need to watch more of that. I don't. I don't. I can't really comment that much on his handle. That's good. Um, I think you will have thoughts on these next guys though. Moving on. Okay. Uh, twenty three and twenty four. I have Keldon Johnson and Tyler Hero. So I have the two. Kentucky guys together. Well, we already talked about PJ Washington a little bit, and Kelton Johnson is just like annoying to me. He just seems like a tryhard, and his uh, I, th- I think he's gonna get the most out of his skill set, and he is a competitor. He seems just like kind of whiny to me. Man, yeah, I don't like either of these guys. <laughs> yeah, and I I wanted to like Kelton Johnson because I wanted to have a reason to watch Kentucky. Like I wanted to be excited about watching someone, but I just ended up enjoying PJ Washington. That was it. Yeah, and, I didn't like PJ. Was the only redeeming thing about Kentucky this year. Kentucky was so annoying. Uh, Tyler Hero is supposed to be a like a three point shooter, right? He's supposed to go to the NBA and like be this elite shooter. Is he like that good of a shooter? I mean. I don't know. He shot 35% from three in college. Yeah, but he hasn't missed a free throw since, like, he was in grade school. Yeah, he shot 93% from the free throw line. So, I mean, the dude will be an absolute liability on the defensive end since day one. Okay. Like, his, well, well, what his about JJ Redick? his wingspan is 6'3". What about J.J. Redick? I'm just playing devil's advocate. No, well, like, right, J.J. Redick is an offensive liability too, right? But, I, like, I just don't think he'll ever become as good of a shooter as J.J. Redick. Uh-huh. 
Like I just think yeah, he's I an agree average, with you. I think he's an average shooter. I'm I'm kind of uh I'm kind of over guys touting his playmaking ability too. Like he's oh, not barf. Yeah, he's none. He's not going to be able to he's not going to be able to run a pick and roll. He's not going to be able to reject a screen. He's no. not going to be able to split a screen. He's not going to be able to pass over the defense like he he'll he'll probably be a high IQ player, pardon the stereotype. Um but yeah, the physical limitations like I I do like him a little bit. I do have him as what do I have him at? 24. Um, I, I think there's a chance yeah. with him, but I'm just not as high on him as I've seen. Some guys that even have like have him in the lottery. He's getting mocked to the Celtics a lot at 14. Oh, barf! That's not who you need. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not about that life. I'm about that no. THT life. 14. Like That's... if <laughs> <laughs> his like max ceiling is like a poor man's JJ Redick. I feel like I don't even know if his ceiling is JJ Redick. So I'm just. Uh-huh. I'm not buying it. Hey, um, I'm going to compare him to uh, the next guy I have on my list, actually, at 25 is Ty Jerome. And oh, man. I think if you're going to take Tyler Hero, I feel like you might as well take Ty Jerome. Am I way off base with that? Like, Ty Jerome just scores in more ways and is a way better passer. And they're, they're like a similar just size. He's a shooter, right? Say that again? Well, I'm, I'm just looking at his stats right here, right? So, mm-hmm. Tyler, I don't think you're that off base, right? Because Tyler Hero shot... 35 percent for three on 170 attempts okay and ty jerome shot 40 percent for three on 200 attempts yeah well ty jerome's how much older is he three years older two years older he's 22 and harrow is 19 and a half so yeah basically three years yeah i just rather have more of a a playmaker and i don't think there's much of a size disparity so no no i'm with you like yeah, there's no hot takes here and disagreement because, I mean, like I said, Jerome shot better from three. I don't know the shot profile. I don't know if Harrow was taking way more difficult three-point shots, but Jerome shot a way better for five percentage points better on like 400 attempts more, mm-hmm. or, sorry, 40 more attempts. Mm-hmm. And with that, you have the guy who's the same height as Harrow, and you actually have someone who can run a pick and roll for you and be an intelligent passer and cutter. So... I have Jerome way higher on my big board than I do Harrow. Okay. Um, how about I? So I'm. So that was 25. How about I get through 30, and then you can throw out guys that you think I missed. Okay. Okay. At 26, I have Dylan. I have Dylan Windler. <laughs> I put I all the. Windler. I put all the white guys Windler. in succession. Uh, yeah, Dylan Windler. I love him because he never dribbles, so it's not going to be any <laughs> adjustment going to the NBA. Yeah. Like, he's already a, a role player. Or, uh, that's what it seemed like for his college team, even though he averaged 20 and 10 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, next I have Matisse Thibel from Washington, who you might know, Pac-12. Yep. Next I have Nick Claxton from Georgia, the shooting big man whose percentages aren't quite there, but supposedly can shoot. Next I have Cam Johnson, who I'm pretty sure you love. And after that I have Lugans Dort from ASU, and that's my 30th. Yeah, so... Do you love I'm any? Glad, do you love or hate any of those guys? I love Thibault and I love uh, Windler. So I want. I think both those guys should go in the twenties in the draft. I think both of them should be first round picks. My my Dylan Windler comp is Steve Novak, but with with better rebounding, with like more. Yeah, the dude f- averaged eleven rebounds per game. Yeah, more fight down low. Yeah, he's got hands. And like I don't, I think he'll. I don't think he'll be an absolute liability on the defensive floor. Like, I just don't think he'll be a mess. 
obviously he's not super super quick laterally but he like was a good he plays with effort and a lot of that is what you need like on a, a guy defending off ball so like uh-huh. I, I really like Windler and then obviously Thibault is basically the complete opposite right yeah uh-huh. like just a defensive menace and an at, like an athletic like yeah. um and uh Marvel and he shot 30 percent for three on 150 attempts so there's some room for him to in- improve his three-point shooting. So he's definitely worth a pick in, like, the, the 20s in okay. the draft. I'm actually lower on Cam Johnson now, Dan. I know I loved him in the tournament because uh, I watched, like, two games where he, like, couldn't miss. Uh-huh. And, like, he'll be a good shooter, but, like, I, I don't think – like, he is so slow on defense, man. Yeah. I watched some, I watched some plays of him, and he just cannot keep up one dribble, and he's totally out of the play, and he has no chance of catching up. So – I mean, maybe on the right team, he could he could be someone, but mm-hmm. I don't even know. I, I honestly probably have him lower than you do. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'll tr- I I feel like a few minutes into summer league, I'll I'll know about Cam Johnson. Yeah, you you'll tell right away if he'll be able to keep up. Like, because I just think he'll get abs- I I think he'll just be can't do anything on the defensive end at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the the couple guys I will say that I think you missed out on were um. Lewis King from Oregon. This is biased because I'm a Duck fan too. <laughs> yeah, man. But, okay. But, like, when you're talking about, like, taking a risk on someone who could be uh, a wing, like a multi-positional wing in the NBA, he definitely fits the profile. He's 6'8". He has a 7-foot wingspan. Mm-hmm. And he shot 30, almost 39% for three. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have the playmaking ability. Um, but I, a comp I hear a lot about him is Rodney Hood. Okay. Um, so... I think I would put him in the first round because basically any of these guys are saying you didn't have in the first round. So I'd put Lewis King in the end of the first round. And then the other one is I, I do think Carson Edwards is worth a late round first round pick. I Yeah, I have him. I had him coming up, but I, I am a Carson Edwards believer too. And I think there's value in getting a backup point guard at the end of the first round. Or do you think yeah. he can start? No, I agree with you. I just think, I don't think he'll be a star, but I, I, I really think he could be like a one of those classic six-man scorers that come for like 15 years that just score off the bench mm-hmm. and i just i'm also a little biased because i loved watching him in the ncaa tournament he played so well yeah in, he in had tr- yeah his jump shot is pretty unique like off the dribble yes. and off the catch like he can get his balance so quick yeah and that that's it not there's not that many in- guards who can do it like that i mean maybe Gary garland's obviously way more elite but um he's one of the few guys that off the dribble, you're very confident going in the league that he can make it. So, mm. but I mean, there's so we had some disagreements, right? Like, I think I'm way lower on Jackson Hayes, and honestly, I probably have Nick Claxon five or ten spots higher than you. Okay. On my big board, I just I've I watched him a few games, and he has some really unique like dribbling and playmaking skills for a guy of his size. Like, I, I was really I was really impressed by some of like his dribbling moves and how he saw the cutter. Uh, passing and passing off his dribbling moves uh-huh so i i'm higher on him than you are yeah the flashes were all there i was just getting i oh gosh who's the who's the bus tall oh thon maker his name wasn't coming to me for a little bit yeah. i was just getting like thon maker mixtape vibes watching him i was like i was just wondering if i could envision it on an nba court consistently He's also the guy in summer league. You, like you feel like you'll have a good feel for after a couple games. I don't know because he's he's raw. Like if he bombed at summer league, I wouldn't totally give up on him. Yeah, are we going to summer league this year or what? Are we talking about this right now? Yeah. Um, the boys and I were texting my my Who wife. Are the boys. My, what? Who are the boys? 
Oh, just Cole and Lad. Oh, okay. And Dylan. We were talking about if we were going to get like a, a little caravan. But, uh, yeah, my wife wants to have a little party at her house with all of the little cousins, like the little girl. Well, I said cousins. Niece, uh, all of the little nieces. And so she's trying to have the house like vacated so she can oh, have so this party. So it's good for you. So, yeah, she would support me going to Summer League, I think. So, hey... Uh, do, does that mean we're like wrapping up the whole conversation? I had a couple. Oh, of, I don't know. So no, no, no. wrap it up. You wrap it up. I didn't Tell put like there's some guys that I didn't put. I didn't put Romeo Langford in my top thirty. Oh yeah, that's is true. It? Man, I just feel like he is. There's he's easy to forget. Like he doesn't do anything super well, so it's just kind of like meh. The uh yeah the other guys that I was pretty low on I was pretty low on Cobb Gale from Florida State. What about and, Terrence Mann from Florida State? Well, he's already mocked in like mid second round. I I think that's about right. Are you higher on him? No. Let's real real quick recap for like being on the record. Who are you higher on than consensus? Who who are your rider dies and who are you? Okay. Okay, so we're both way lower on R.J. Barrett. Yeah, we we both agree that R.J. Barrett shouldn't be a top three pick. And I'm not even I'm not even that hesitant to say that. I'm not even trying to sugarcoat it. I don't think it's going to come back to bite me that hard. No, I'm not nervous about it at all. The dude was super inefficient. I just, I don't. <laughs> he averaged 22 a game for like, like a top well, five so, team. Like maybe he'll, like his ceiling, his absolute ceiling is a Monte Ellis. All right. And like, yeah, Monte Ellis is valuable for scoring, but like he doesn't like just make you super excited. So I, I'm. I'm I'm confident in R.J. Barrett pick. I think his ceiling is what Evan Turner was supposed to be coming out of college. Oh. That's my call for his ceiling. Okay, and the other person. Okay, I'm obviously high on Taylor Horton Tucker. I'm high on Brandon Clark. I was higher on. Lots of people have Nasir dropping to like the 20s, so I was higher on him. We're both high on Grant Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, all these other guys. We're both low on Jackson Hayes. Like you're really low on him. Some people have him going borderline. Like top five. Yeah, that's stupid. All right, and we're low. We're both low on Rui, but I think everyone's kind of with us on that. We're low on Tyler Hero. Yeah, I'm. I'm higher on Cam Reddish than you are, and probably the oh, consensus yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I take. I might take him number three if I was the Knicks. And I am higher on Grant Williams, and probably even you are. I'm super high on Grant Williams. Mm-hmm. And I'm higher on Nick Claxton. Okay. Some other guys that I like in the second round, I like Eric Pascal from Villanova. Do you like him? He's been around like for a while. Because his name just reminds me of the gecko from Tangled. Yeah, but can you answer my question? Do you like him? I just said that's why I like him. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, I want to see Fletcher McGee get drafted. Any? There has to be a way for Fletcher McGee to get drafted. And I don't know, man. I really is Taco, Taco going to get drafted? Maybe. No, probably not. But. I want who's the team like who doesn't have any draft picks and their summer league roster is just going to be littered with these flyers like the Lakers like these G League all-stars and yeah the Lakers honestly they're going to the have Lakers. they're going to have Mo Wagner yeah they need to have they need to roll out like Mo Wagner and Fletcher McGee <laughs> that be fun and Taco Fall I want it I want Fletcher McGee to get a high usage role in summer league because he attempts and makes shots that no one else like even considers there has to be a way to leverage that threat in the NBA. Man, I didn't know you were this big of a Fletcher McGee fan. Oh yeah, he went 0 for 10, and I'm still, I'm still just all about him. <laughs> um, 
So the true like um, NBA draft Twitter darling in terms of, like analytics is John Tay Porter. Like there's still some guys on the Stephian that are rating John Tay Porter as like their 15th best prospect on the board, and they would take him number 15. Well, even with because there was another health scare that he had. He had a setback recently. Like besides are you the about two ACLs. Besides the second tear, there was something else. Oh. Like, I don't know. I haven't even really watched him play, but there's some people on the Stephian that are just like, he's like the mini Nikolai Jokic. Like, the way he passes and and can, mm-hmm. like, score in the block. Like, I have no idea, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, I... Shoot, I didn't go out that, that far on my big board, but I'd probably have him at, like, 40. So you still take him with a pick? Yeah, just because, on like, I don't have any confidence in a lot of these guys. I'm going through a big board right now. I didn't mention Daniel Gafford. Um, he's somebody that I would take before Jonte Porter. Mm. I would take, I don't, would I take Admiral Schofield? He's, I don't know. Yeah. He, would, he does like two things. Well, mm-hmm. he's like a brick. What about somebody like Shamori Pons or Zach Norvell? Like some of these bigger name. I really like prospects. Norvell that much from Gonzaga. I, I will say that I'm, I want to on the record to be known that I think I'm higher than consensus on Dylan Windler. Yeah, you're definitely love, on the record I with that. I love this dude, man. I just love how it looks like he's coasting the whole time. And he just has, like, he doesn't really react to anything. Yeah. But you, you can tell he's not rattled, though. He's just, like, playing his game. And he had he had some step-back threes. Yeah. Like, he, like he, he has some swag to him. Yeah, he but, shot 233 attempts from three this year in college. But shot 43%. I found myself getting frustrated. Like, dude, why are you not doing this more often? Just just put it up there because he would yeah. disappear but then i'm like if you're in the nba if you're comfortable disappearing for long stretches and then you can just all of a sudden fly off a screen and drain one from 28 feet like that's a good that's, sign to me yeah that's a good mental thing to have yeah okay yeah i'm i'm going through this list more i oh man i know there's somebody out here that's gonna that's gonna play significant minutes and get like all rookie second team that i didn't even talk about yeah that's true which is just <laughs> situational for a lot of the t- times yeah. All right, Trev. Anything else about the draft and and life? No, just just I'm excited for the draft. I always go to Big Al's. You want to know my my uh, draft tradition? I do, so, but I don't know what Big Al's is, man. Big Al's is like um, man, what's the comparison in Utah? It's like the Top Golf, but for bowling. Like it, it's like this huge oh, arcade and all these bowling alleys. It's kind of right by my house, but they have like. It, 20 big screens uh-huh. and I always go there with my blazer gear and I bring my laptop and I order a burger and there's a few other blazer guys that are always there watching the draft and it's just it's just so fun do you go there I'm by yourself the what did you go do you go there by yourself are you making fun of me no I don't think I was was my tone of voice <laughs> yeah. that good the la- the last just out of curiosity do you make friends there yeah, I do. That's why it's so fun. You wear a Blazer jersey and you see all... Because you have to be a true like Blazer, like NBA fan to show up to like a bar mm-hmm. to watch your team pick in the NBA draft. And so that's why it's always fun to go because you see the other people are truly dedicated like you are. Yeah. Man, my my wife is going to be watching the draft for her first time. Her first, oh, wow. Yeah, her first time ever draft. I would take bets on what pick she's going to flame out at. And... I, I want to say it'll be, like, pick number, like, 10. Yeah, I, I don't think Marissa will last past the top five. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All right, well, this was fun, Trev. I think I'm just going to put this up, like, no edits, just throw it up. 
Yeah, just don't edit it. This is just fun to have it on record. Yeah. So we can go back and listen to our stupid takes 10 years from now. Yeah. All right, so everyone go support our sponsor, Pickup. Once again, Pickup, the most fun, engaging game for all ages, for all creeds, for all all types of people. Just go get Pickup. And for all creeds. <laughs> we'll, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right, Dan. Love you, bro.